Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Today, we are continuing our Beatitudes message series by looking at the very first statement that Jesus makes about the people who are going to make up the kingdom of God, his kingdom. And he starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So for our purposes, I'd like you to take the in spirit part of that out. Set it aside, and let's just focus on the blessed are the poor part. And I think it's okay for us to do that. I think it's okay for us to look at this verse in Matthew without the in spirit part, because Luke did in his account of Jesus's same teaching in Luke chapter six, verse 20. Luke writes, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. So I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I really felt poor. When I was a kid, I genuinely thought we were poor because I only had one He-Man action figure. Now, granted, it was He-Man's Green Tiger Battle Cat, which is the coolest action figure you could get. But I'd go to my friend's house and we would play with his full collection of action figures, including Castle Grayskull. I felt so poor compared to him. Now, he also had an Atari, all of the Transformers and HBO. So yeah, he was 80s rich. After college, when I spent several years playing music in a band, Terry and I really felt poor. If we ever went out on a date, it was always to a place that had free breadsticks, always, because we could afford free. Probably uh, the poorest we've ever felt was when we moved to Kansas City to be the worship pastors at a new church plant there. Our three kids were all just babies and we had no money. I worked for the church, but to make ends meet, I also did part-time work online for the company that I'd worked for before we moved. So I was just working all the time. And even then between bills, food, diapers, all of the expenses of life, we regularly just didn't have enough. Terry had to sign us up to be part of the food bank program at another church where we could get basic groceries every week. And we tried so hard not to let the people at that church, the church that was giving us food, know that we worked at a different church in town. It was a rough period. But even though we felt poor and we didn't have a lot, looking back, I don't think we were poor. I mean, we had a nice house running vehicles. We had a support system of family. Jesus said, blessed, happy are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And for us to really grasp what this means for us, I think we need to understand what poverty really is to God and, and God's heart towards the poor, a theology of poverty, if you will. And that starts by us understanding two things about it. And the first is that poverty is an economic condition. It, it literally means not having money, so it's inherently economic. But in some ways, it's more than that, too. When we talk about people being poor, we're talking about them being materially poor, which means that they don't have the material they need in order to thrive, which includes money. 
but it also includes other things. Poverty is about not having the things or resources that the world values. There's no question our world values money, but it also values things like talent and skill. Those are things the world values. Our world values external beauty, good looks. It values powerful family connections. It values position and education. All of these things are resources or skills that the world values. And without these, the world doesn't give you any consideration because you have nothing to offer. Poverty is a value proposition that starts and ends with what you have to offer the world. And if you don't have what the world values, you have nothing. Isaiah 41, 17, it says this. It says that the poor and needy search for water, but there's none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. They don't have what they need. But what God values is different. Look at Proverbs 22. The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. Everyone is equal before God, no matter what they have to offer. And as a result of this, God instructed his people to respond with mercy to people who were materially poor. Look at what God commands his people do in Deuteronomy 15. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land your Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. To God, poverty is a departure from his plan for humanity. It's not what he intended. In a world without sin that is in perfect relationship with God, everyone has enough. But it's because we live in a broken and sinful world that poverty is a condition we will always have to deal with. There will always be poor people in the land. And God has always called his people to be a part of remedying it. Look at Leviticus 25, what he said. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and cannot support himself, support him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident and allow him to live with you. Do not charge interest or make a profit at his expense. Instead, show your fear of God by letting him live with you as your relative. Poor people do not have the material resources that the world values. And as a result, God commanded his people to address it with mercy and with generosity. I mean, check this out. Ancient people in the Middle East, when they were harvesting their fields, they wouldn't harvest the crops at the edges of their field around, around the, the edges, and they, they left good crops behind. Now, the ancient pagan cultures, they left this, these little bits of good crops at the edges of their fields as a sacrifice. It was a gift to their gods. But look at what God instructed his people to do in Leviticus 23. He said, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Instead, check this out, leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. 
You see, what others were doing in order to worship their gods, the God of the Israelites, he didn't want. The kind of worship that God asked for wasn't for them to leave stuff for him. The worship he wanted was sacrifice for the good of the poor, to address the brokenness of the human condition and to bring restoration to their economic and material lack of resources. When we view poverty as a departure from God's plan for humanity, poverty as a result of brokenness in this world, we can then understand God's special concern is not some form of favoritism, but it's the beginning of this process of restoration and renewal, his kingdom. Poverty is an economic condition, and it is one that God cares about. But a biblical perspective also shows us that it's more than that. Poverty is also a social condition. What do I mean by that? Proverbs 10, 15. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their destruction. This is what God says about poverty, that it's not just about what you don't have. Poverty is a condition that affects how the poor are viewed and treated by others. It's a condition that causes ruin and devastation in so many areas of their lives. It's a nearly inescapable trap it's a, a curse that some might say gets handed down from generation to generation to generation. And in the same way that wealth creates opportunities for those who have it, poverty steals opportunity away from the poor. How? What does the Bible say in Proverbs 14? It says the poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. Proverbs 19.7, the relatives of the poor despise them how much more will their friends avoid them? Though the poor plead with them, their friends are gone. We see this and we know it's true. That when you have nothing to offer, nothing that the world values, it creates a brokenness and a disconnect in your community with other people. The poor don't have the same seat at the community table that those with resources do. Poverty damages relationship and community connection. But it's not just relational. Proverbs 13, 23 says this, a poor person's farm may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it all away. Now I'm gonna give you fair warning because this is going to rub some people the wrong way. Because this goes against everything that we are taught about opportunity in America. And that's this, this idea that everyone has equal opportunity if you just work hard enough. Anyone can be anything they wanna be. And if you're poor, it's because you made bad choices or you're lazy or you didn't work hard enough. American values say that your success or lack of success is completely dependent on you. But that's not what God says. God says that poverty is such a trap that even though a poor person's farm, even though their work may produce much food, injustice sweeps it away. Poverty demolishes social structures that are crucial to success, to the thriving, to the health and well-being of people. People who live in poverty have higher rates of mortality, health issues, mental health problems, behavioral issues, substance abuse, kids in foster care, and academic difficulties. 
And because they don't have the power or the resources to fix these things, even the gains that they make are swept away by injustice in God's words. In short, God commands his people in hundreds of verses in the Bible to care for the poor because of, because of the economic and social picture of poverty that God wants us to see. And that picture of poverty is this, the poor have nothing the world values, that they will suffer as a result, and they can do nothing to change their condition on their own. Which brings us back to two little words that Jesus included in his teaching on the poor in Matthew 5. Let's put those words back in, in Matthew 5, 3. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit, if entry into his kingdom, if entry into the new thing that he's doing in the world means we have to be poor in spirit, then we need to know what that means. And this is why it's so important that we understand God's view of poverty. Okay, let me recap God's view of poverty for you, okay? Poverty is a departure from God's plan for humanity, and it's a result of the brokenness of sin. Poverty is the absence of anything that the world values. It is a condition of economic, social, and relational brokenness. And those in a state of poverty are absolutely powerless to change their condition on their own, according to God's word. Knowing that, Jesus says that to enter his kingdom, we must be poor in spirit, to acknowledge our state of spiritual poverty, to understand that our sinfulness is a departure from his plan for us, to understand that in our brokenness and spiritual poverty, we have nothing of value to offer him, that we live in a state of spiritual and relational brokenness with God, and finally, that we are absolutely powerless to do anything that will change that condition on our own, and that because we are in this completely helpless state of spiritual poverty, we need to depend completely on Jesus and his grace for our salvation. When I was really young, a kid invited me to his house after school for the first time. And I'd never been to this kid's house. And, but as soon as school let out, we walked to his place because he, he lived close enough to the school to walk every day. When we got there, I was shocked to find out that he lived with his family in an old abandoned gas station. There was no heat inside. There were no bedrooms. There was just an office where there were some mattresses. Everything was a mess including his clothes, which were regularly riddled with holes and stains. And I remember when my mom picked me up, I felt so bad for my friend because there was nothing that he could do to change any of it. And I also remember thinking, I'm so glad that's not me. But it is me. And it's you. Because that's what our spiritual condition is. Broken down poor, helpless to make or change things for the better. That's what our spirits look like to God. The gospel message is that no one is righteous before him that, and that there's only one hope for us and it's Jesus. 
to be a Christian and enter into the kingdom of God, we have to be poor in spirit. We can't be self-sufficient and believe that we can get by on our own merits or our hard work like American values say. It's only when we embrace our poverty and understand like the poor that we have nothing of value before God that we can receive the gospel and be saved. To be spiritually poor is to understand that we owe God everything and that we need him completely and that this is how Jesus lived and how he taught his followers to live. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So I have a few questions to ask you or for you to ask yourself as we wrap all this up in order to apply it. First, do I have the same heart for the poor that God does? What do I need to do or to change to help those who can't help themselves? And second, Am I poor in spirit? Do I recognize my complete dependence on God for salvation? Or do I live as if I can do it all on my own? If we change how we think about poverty and about our own spiritual poverty, if we change that to how Jesus sees it, we will begin to not only change the world for others who are in need, but we'll begin to see him change our world as well. So followers of Jesus, if we're gonna live the way he lived, if we're gonna think how he thought and do what he taught, then we need to be people who are going into our world and making a difference in the lives of people who have nothing the world values and have no way to change it, to serve and to meet the needs of the poor and in doing so, embracing our own spiritual poverty, recognizing our condition is no different than theirs because we have nothing of value to offer our God, knowing that on our own, that we can't change our condition of spiritual poverty and that we are completely dependent on Jesus to reach his hand down into our lives and to pull us out. And when we do, when we have that that poor in spirit attitude, that's when we become people who can embrace and own the kingdom of heaven. It becomes ours, and I want it to become yours. I'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.